0: Have you ever been tempted to listen in on a lively conversation taking place at the table next to you? Well, here's your chance. Listen in on host George Aquino and his discussions on food, travel, and lifestyle topics with a host of bon vivant personalities who embody their passions for living a life full of experiences and personal discoveries. So pour a glass of your favorite wine, lean in, and listen in on the Spontaneous Table. Here's your host, George Aquino. The Spontaneous Table is back. And today I am just so excited because we have a three-course Italian menu right in front of me. And I have to admit, you know, if you ask probably a thousand Americans, what's the one cuisine that they cannot live without, I would say Italian food will probably be one of them and certainly for me, besides Filipino food, Italian food is probably number two. But I think for Americans, this is a staple. It's guaranteed to last for a long time. And uh, today I have a very special guest, probably one of the best Italian chefs in Michigan. I actually recently uh, received an award, but I'll have him talk about that later. But my good friend, Chris Perky, chef, owner of Osteria Rosa in the hotel district in Grand Rapids. Uh, Welcome, chef.
1: Thank you, George. Great being here. Always great seeing you and hanging out with you.
0: Yeah, I think I feel like I see you every week. <laughs> well,
1: you always pop in for a little late night octopus. So
0: <laughs> late night octopus. Now you got my wife hooked on the Negronis and happy hour, so she brings her friends there, and her friends bring their their blind their Match dates there. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm just so excited that we have this opportunity to actually share what is going on with uh, Osteria Rosa, and really Italian food in West Michigan. So I am so excited that you actually have three dishes here sitting in front of me, and you even brought some vino. And so I think the way we're going to do this is let's do this in three courses. Sounds good. So we're going to talk first about this... Wonderful dish, I'm, I think I'm quite familiar with it. This will be our first course. This is and, what you
1: made famous, George. You, yeah, know? I so, mean, you wrote about this the first week we were open.
0: Uh, yeah, so <laughs> tell everyone what this dish is and I can see that you have, well, you can tell them. I, I'll show oh. it on the camera right there.
1: Yes, this is our braised octopus. So we get four to six pound octopus, a little bit bigger octopus than just the standard grilled one. We braise them in a mixture of balsamic vinegar and a lot of different herbs and spices. And then we char that to order on a flat top. We toss that with some cannellini beans, a little bit of Vertical Paradise Farms arugula, some lemon, uh, some preserved lemon, a little bit of pickled fennel, and then finish it with some aged balsamic. And then, of course, there's a little Calabrian chili oil on there, which is the part you like. That's (laughs) the
0: one, that's what I love. Yes, the little spice. So, yeah, this octopus is really, what I like about it, a lot of the times you get like, you know, especially like calamari. You know, Mm -hmm. everything is deep fried. Yeah, and that's what I liked about this. You know, it's it's grilled to order, and I think I'm gonna taste it now because it's. You might as well eat it. You know, it's definitely my favorite dish.
1: Well, it's nice because it still has a little bit of that chew in it too, so it's still got a little texture to it, and um, and it's just got that little spice from the calabrian chili, the acid from the preserved lemon, and then a little bit of hint of the freshness from the arugula.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: I can talk for a while
0: if you want to finish. Yeah, because that's uh, a a big (laughs) that's a big chunk of octopus there. (laughs) <laughs> tell us about the wine.
1: So yeah, I got a little Sartoria uh, Pinot Grigio from Venezia. Uh, nice little summer wine, and you know it's always five o'clock in Italy. So I mean, it's never too early to have a glass of wine, have a little mm. lunch, and uh, sit down and talk and do that. So uh, we'll
0: especially say, in the summer. Cheers! We'll say
1: cheers! Yeah, a little chin. light Pinot Grigio go with your octopus perfectly. Mm.
0: So chef, let's let's talk about your background. You know, tell us tell me about your childhood.
1: Um, I grew up in Waukegan, Illinois. Uh, okay. Just north of Chicago. North Shore. Uh, north Shore. Um, yep. And basically, when I, I started working at a restaurant when I was 12 years old and started working in the dishroom, busing tables. No, it was friends of my family. And you <laughs> can do that back then. They just gave me like 10 bucks a night. And was, the restaurant was only open on Friday and um, Saturdays. And it was a bar the rest of that's the week. That's like the
0: best hour for a so, kitchen. Yeah.
1: So that's what they did. And um, I had a paper route during the week and I did that on the weekends. Well, my parents came in for dinner pretty much every Friday and Saturday to pick me up and drop me off and such. And so um, <laughs> they would meet their friends, and they'd be sitting in the bar having a drink after work, and I'd usually put the $10 I made back in the pinball machine. at <laughs> <laughs> So they kind of got free labor. They Those were the days, you yeah, know, right. when you actually go to a game room and, <laughs> yeah, and play and pinball. spend your money. <laughs> so um, I did that. At, after I graduated high school, I moved downtown to Chicago, and I was really fortunate to meet some really influential people in my life. And obviously the first one, I started at a little place called Convido Italiano, which I don't know if you're, you were a Chicago guy, so you understood yeah. that. But I was right on State and Chestnut. And they had the largest selection of Italian wines in North America. Well, I was a little 19-year-old yeah, punk. Was, and, uh,
0: I, think, I think drinking age was 18 back no, then. No,
1: it was still 21, oh, but it wasn't okay. in Convito. It was it's Italy, it was, so it was, it's, it was 19. There's yeah. no drinking age. <laughs> there's no drinking age. Yeah. So I happened to meet a gentleman by the Mar- name of Marty Tiersky, who taught me a lot about Italian wines. And so he left Convito and actually went to Spiaggia. And about, we be, had become good friends, so he called me about three weeks later. He goes, You need to come over here.
0: So, in Convito, did you work as a server, as I was, a cook? No, actually, as what a I, we, we had
1: a store downstairs. So, I worked in the deli during the day, and then at night, I went upstairs and worked in the kitchen. And uh, so, I just basically worked salads, you know, the garbage. And I'll tell you, the chef was one of the meanest people I've ever met in my life. You could not speak in his kitchen, ever. If you even asked the server a question, he was throwing a sauté pan at you.
0: Yeah, chefs these days don't uh, understand no, that.
1: No, no, no yeah, nobody I, gets that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm from that background, <laughs> too. I I, did, I had
0: worked with French chefs that would throw yep. plates at you and yes. the wall. That things the owners go wrong, were afraid right? of him.
1: Everybody was afraid of him. But right. he was very talented, obviously. So Marty went to Spiaggia, and he actually um, – told me I got to go over there and that's where I met Tony Mantuano and he has been a friend and a mentor ever since then. Um, I was at Spiaggia with him for about a year and a half and I left there with him to open Posto, and I was there for about another two years after that so I've just I have more respect for that man than just about anybody on the planet.
0: So for those who are not familiar with Spiaggia I mean this is this is like the EMP of Chicago right? Yeah. You know So tell us about Spiaggia and where it's located. What are you looking at? What's the food like?
1: So Spiaggia, um, there's Spiaggia and Cafe Spiaggia. They're both in the One Magnificent Mile building on the corner of Oak and um, Michigan, basically across the street from the Drake Hotel. And Spiaggia means beach in Italian. So they have 40-foot windows in their dining room and and stadium seating, so every seat overlooks Oak Street Beach. And it's just gorgeous. I mean, the restaurant is, to me, still the most gorgeous restaurant I've ever been in um and it's really traditional classic food but it's ingredient driven and that's what was drilled into my head all those years with tony is about ingredients you cannot make great food with mediocre ingredients it just doesn't happen so the plates are simple it's very pricey you probably might want to take out a second mortgage on your house today. (laughs) 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 but um wife included yes exactly right (laughs) but um it's worth it. And, you know, you can go to the cafe and have lunch in there. Uh, my wife and I actually just had lunch there uh, about a month ago. And it's just it's uh, amazing what they do there. It's it's so um, classic. The pastas are perfect. All the ingredients are just the best that he can find. If, if he can't find it locally, he obviously imports it from Italy. But um, it was it was an unbelievable experience working there. And he it was such a change from the chef I had worked for because Tony is the most mild-mannered, oh, is he? down-to-earth I, I've guy. I've never met him. Yeah. No, he's so, he's so shy. Um, but you know, funny story one night where he was expediting at to the posto and we all had our hats on backwards in the kitchen our to the posto baseball hats. And uh, so he turned his around backwards and we're like, this is Tony. What's he doing? This is like, this is silly. And, uh, he started calling out all the orders like Elvis and (laughs) we were dying in the kitchen. We were, it was so funny. And he just, when you get to know him, he's hilarious, and but he's just—he's not one of these big showy chefs that you see on TV nowadays. He's just really talented, really nice, and really cares about his employees.
0: So how long did you work uh, for him then? Uh, it was
1: about almost four years between four years. the two restaurants, yeah. Nice. And then uh, I left to the posto actually to become a sous chef at a restaurant called Christopher's, which was in the building with the Royal George Theater um, okay. on Halstead Street. Um, they had been... Um, doing a lot of catering and some things like that and I was kind of helping him out a little bit and the chef had lost his sous chef and he said you know do you want a job and this was American food so this was something very different than what I was used to but it was obviously a great learning experience for me about management and that so it was really my first sous chef position about a year and a half later it turns out he left the chef and they offered me the job as the chef and i was like wow i am not ready for this I was 26 years old 27 years old in downtown chicago
0: and you didn't you didn't go to culinary school really nope, this never, is hard knocks this right? was
1: all just hard knocks and i you know well, there's no internet either so i just read books like you would wouldn't believe and i built a, a nice relationship with a lot of cool chefs in town so there, there were always a phone call away i mean paul Kahn, before paul Kahn was paul Kahn and alan sternweiler john hogan and these guys and i'd met all these guys and they would answer any questions. I mean, you know, there was no competition thing. They were sure. everybody was all in this together, and we were just, you know, they would help me out. They helped me out tremendously, and I I learned so much the hard way. I mean, I just went into work at eight o'clock in the morning. We didn't open until five, but I knew I was going to screw up at least six, seven things that I had <laughs> to fix. So, you just that's how you did it, you know.
0: And that's hard. I mean, considering you know a lot of at least the, the Chicago guys I knew all went to you know CIA or mm-hmm. you know other culinary Kendall. I mean, they yeah. all went to culinary school. So. For you to make it to executive chef, I don't care what kind of restaurant it is, but in what four or five years yeah. that's that's quite a testimony to your work ethic
1: it was it was hard i mean i you know fortunately, I married well you know my wife very well and i, I mean she's Too well in the, yeah she's in the <laughs> business and she just knew what she was marrying she knew so it was somebody who was really dedicated to it i've never really ever wanted to do anything else in my life i found what i like i love cooking you know how much i'm in the kitchen anyway still to this day and it just it's really the only thing i've ever wanted to do and you know they say if you find what you love you never work a day in your life and i honestly well, all the hours I put yeah, in, look, I don't feel like... you're in shorts like... every day.
0: <laughs> Even in the winter, you're in shorts. <laughs> hey. I never met a, a chef who was in shorts every every day.
1: You got to be comfortable back yeah. there, man. You got to be comfortable.
0: We, we, we live in the Midwest. You know? <laughs> just got to <laughs> remind you, we're not we're not in Miami. Yeah,
1: nah, I know, right? I, I think I'd die in Miami. It's too hot <laughs> down there, man. I couldn't do that.
0: Did you have any inspiration growing up? Would, did people inspire you? Not just chefs, but just other people in general?
1: Um. I don't know. I don't know if I knew that many other people. I mean, my father's always been a great role model to me, um, and my mother and my father, actually. He um, was the chief of the fire department in Waukegan. He always had two or three jobs. He was always very, very influential in the city as far as um, the things he did with the Firefighters Union and the advancements he made for the fire department. And he had a great work ethic, and I think that growing up is what put that installed that in, in me and I like to think I've done that with my children they all have great work ethics they they're at Ferris State my two boys and my daughter's going to be attending Grand Valley this year they all have jobs they all don't expect anything they realize that everything you need you have to work for stuff and then and I think that's awesome I mean that to me is one of the greatest gifts you can give your children
0: absolutely do you have siblings
1: I do I have a sister who um, is actually like a polar opposite to me. She lives in Boise, so she's Idaho. She's actually nice. Yes. She's good is. looking. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, she lives in Boise, Idaho. She moved uh, out west as soon as she graduated high school. Um, I love her to death. She's amazing. But yeah, she's very Republican. I'm not so much. Oh. She's, you know, just. She a, should
0: be living here. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's a nine to fiver. She goes to bed at nine o'clock at night and gets up at six in the morning and all this. And uh, it's, we're the different lifestyles she's a little quieter than i am
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so after chicago so you worked at christopher
1: so i did christopher well then right before i left chicago um they opened spago and uh so a friend of mine was there and it was uh it was about a week from opening and he's like you know you got to come over here they're yeah. doing some really cool stuff and i was thinking oh, spago that seems kind of cheesy or you know it's yeah, yeah yeah exactly
0: it's a beautiful restaurant oh I, I and went there. I i'll
1: I learned so much in a short period of time. I was only there for about a year, maybe a year and a half, a year and a couple of months, because the, the Grand right Rapids thing they it. closed fairly early. And Chicago didn't get Spago. I mean, but yeah, the what we did there as far as. Um, the ingredients that were coming in. I mean, we'd get two produce deliveries a day. We were doing 300000 a week in sales. I mean, you can put that yeah, <laughs> into perspective and know what that means. Yeah. It's un- unbelievable, the business we did there. And, you know, there's six sous chefs. And I was actually the only sous chef from Chicago. They had brought in guys from L.A. and Vegas to help set up the kitchen. And, I mean, I was going in at 6 in the morning. I was the A.M. sous chef for the dining room. And usually it's supposed to be done around four, as soon as they're ready for dinner service. That never happened. Never. I was no. I was there till eleven at night or twelve at night, and
0: because you felt guilty. If you oh left. yeah, I can't leave the I can't right? leave the boys, and it's just you just you mean, just work. That's just how it is. Yeah.
1: So it's you know I'd finish my shift in the dining room, and Francois was the executive chef there, and he was an amazing amazing cook and he'd be chasing me around the kitchen knowing i was trying to get out of there <laughs> and he's yeah. like no 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 you are working the grill tonight you in the cafe you need to do that i'm like what about that guy last night he was no good you are going in there i'm like oh, come on Francis, so i haven't slept in a month man you're killing me <laughs> but um it was a, it was a, another great learning experience and of course to me you know like you said i didn't go to culinary school so you, any resume piece is great cuz you get wolfgang yeah. puck on your resume you can pretty much go anywhere in the world
0: <laughs> so what is it about wolfgang puck and his food that really resonated with you uh and and you know is, is just also the ingredients or did he introduce something different to the american palate that we weren't used to
1: what i respected a lot about wolfgang's the food had you know some italian some french and some asian influences Smart you know that, guy. yeah right <laughs> there you go but a dish was all asian or all italian or all french the Mirapol we used for the sauces was all, you know, it was ginger and shallot. It was not a mix. He didn't try oh, to just, he okay. didn't try to mix ingredients or mix cuisine. There's no confusion. No, fusion. There, confusion. there was no fusion at all. No, none of that. It was really. True. So, an Asian dish was, you know, and as you know with Asian food, would have 17 different ingredients in it, you know, yeah, for his, pad thai. His pad and all thai that, is,
0: yeah. <laughs> the pad thai, actually, the, the kitchen at Wolfgang Puck at the Amway is oh. the number one selling item.
1: Yeah. And there's probably, and his pad thai has three different sauces that each have about six or seven or eight ingredients in them, you know, I between the deglaze yeah. and yeah. the coconut sauce and all that. So, that I really respected. I thought it was great, you know, besides just the, you know, getting to use any ingredient you wanted in the world. Um, I, and I loved his work ethic. Uh, Wolfgang was worth, you know, probably 12, $13 million. He didn't have to work anymore. His places were great. He would fly in at three o'clock in the afternoon, work the dinner shift, walk, work the dining room, sign books, hop back in the kitchen, mess around and all that. And we'd be there until two o'clock in the morning having a meeting. And, I would have to be back at six, so I'd get back there at six. He was in there at six thirty and he'd be clapping his hands, celebrating. Come on, we got lots of work to do, lots of work to do. And I was like, Man, this guy's amazing. He's like, I got to fly out at one, so we gotta get some stuff done today. Let's let's get some stuff, let's tighten some stuff down. And so he was just still so involved in it, and it was so great. Even up to now. Even up to now. When he's he, still It's just well, he, he's you when know, he,
0: yeah, when he visited Grand Rapids, actually he I was talking to our chefs and he was more comfortable. Behind the line, yeah, than really you know chit chatting with every you know all the dignitaries, you know, right, he would rather be with the chefs and he wants to meet them and work with them, Yep. so that was really quite impressive,
1: and I think that's something that has stuck with me all these years too so i I like being i mean I do like talking with guests, obviously and doing um t v and all of that promoting the restaurant, but I am very comfortable behind the line, I like being back
0: there that's that's quite good, so from Spago, then you so, went to. Um, what's Bistro next? Bistro Bellavita. So ah. we got the phone call. What year was that? This
1: was 1997.
0: So just right after they opened. So,
1: yeah, it was literally, they were open for two months, and they were struggling getting food out of the kitchen. I mean, it was a huge restaurant. They had hired a chef, uh, Rafael, from Florida. Well, he came from a 14-seat restaurant in Florida. <laughs> So let's just say the first Phil Collins concert that was at there was the first year the arena opened actually, yes. and so let's just say the first Phil Collins concert that they had there didn't go as well. Got as crushed, <laughs> yes. So, um, um, a guy named Mark, oh, I'm going to forget his last name, but anyway, who designed Bistro Bellavita had also designed Tutoposto. So Rob Woodrick, who opened Bistro sure. Bellavita went to Tudaposto numerous times to see the design. And actually, if you remember Tudaposto, there's a lot of similarities between bistro and Tudaposto in the design, yeah. So Rob was looking for a sous chef. He needed some help up there or whatever. And so our oldest son was born, he was one, and Carrie was pregnant with our second son. They're only 14 months apart. So we're like, well, this apartment's gonna get really tiny, really fast here i am working 100 hours a week at spago i'm like well we can't move to the suburbs cuz i can't tack another 3 hours yeah. of commute onto my schedule every day and she originally was from holland michigan so oh, i didn't know that yeah so we she after she graduated from grand valley she spent a year in paris and said i can't live in holland so she moved to chicago we met there and got married there so anyway we um i said you know well they're looking for the sous chef up at Bistro Bella Vida and it's a new restaurant. Let's just go up and check it out. So we drove up here one night. We looked at the restaurant. We talked to Rob, and um, I cooked for them and all of that. And so he offered me a job. So I actually came up here. I was a sous chef originally for about a month, <laughs> two two months. And Rafael and Rob got into a disagreement about something. Yeah. And Rob offered me the job, and he said, you know, God, I looked at your resume. He's like, God, you had Spago, too, the Postal, Spaggia. He's like, you had a pretty I guess I never not really thought bad. about it before. <laughs> it's not a bad resume. So, really, that yeah, the rest was history. I was there for four years. Um, we did some good stuff. And, you know, downtown was a struggle back then. I mean... It, there was nothing. It, there was nothing. There was... It was Sanchez. Charlie's Crab and Bistro. I mean, mm, all the yeah, all those other restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Amway. Outside and the of
0: Amway the whole Amway Grand, you, you really got...
1: There was nothing down yeah. there. And, I mean, all those buildings were abandoned that were all around Bistro, especially that side of the arena. You did have, like, Gardella's and taps or whatever were on the other side but um so there, there was definitely a struggle you know and people didn't understand paying for parking because 28th street was where everybody oh, ate and they all had parking lots so we actually had to take five dollars off of every bill to reimburse them for their parking across the street. And I was like, I moved up here from Chicago. I go, They're upset about five yeah. dollars.
0: I remember my first parking ticket. Yeah. I was in Ionia and I got a parking ticket. You know, I'm used to living, you know, Chicago. I like, yeah. Oh, it's gonna be seventy bucks, yeah. right? right? This was in the late eighties yeah. and it was four bucks. Yeah. It's like like four dollars yeah. for parking. Right.
1: So yeah, so I did we did Bella Vita. After Bellavita we um I opened East uh, Firehouse Grill in East Grand Rapids. We had so that for probably about three
0: after years. your dad. Yes, or a it tribute was. to your father, right?
1: Yeah, it was actually the original business plan was designed to be open in Chicago, across the street from a fire station. Oh, wow! And we wanted to do a lot with you can have the fire cook. And yeah, exactly. So we wanted to do a lot with um, smoking foods and grilling foods and cooking over open fire. So we actually had a, a wood-fired grill and rotisserie built for us. Um, we had a great time there. Um, it just, east is a little bit tough. Uh, I mean, everybody eats at Roses, so yeah. <laughs> that's just what it is. I've never heard of that restaurant. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really what kind of killed us there is when they tore up the streets and uh, when they redid. And downtown's beautiful. They did a great job. Yeah. It's just that it was a little bit too long for us to withstand Hey, that. I fought for you there. You did. You fought very hard for us all the time. To for extend the ex- hours. Extend the hours. I remember
0: that because I, I my sister-in-law came in from Boston, and yeah. we wanted to go get something to eat. And we got there, on, you know, my normal time yeah. after nine, <laughs> and the server said, "Hey, it's the last call." I'm like, mm-hmm. "What do you mean last call?" Yep, and I, I had no idea. So yep. I remember going to that city council that meeting, city council and, yep, meeting, mm-hmm. and requesting them to extend the hours.
1: Yep, I remember. Now, that. How can
0: you how can you open a business and close at you know nine <laughs> nine, <laughs> especially a restaurant <laughs> with, with with alcohol?
1: Yeah, right. So we did, and I mean, I learned a lot there about. Running restaurants and such Um, After we closed that um, Little stint at Sierra Room But that was That street was really changing And Sierra Room had already changed a lot And everything Um, Did a little catering And then I went to I was at Kent Country Club For about four years Um, And basically the entire time Spending plotting Osteria Rosa (laughs) To tell you the truth But um, yeah it was uh, a great run And then we opened Osteria Rosa in 2014 We just celebrated last June Our fifth year
0: Open wow. How do you imagine? It's been it, five years I know
1: It's been wild It's been a it great run It seems like it's
0: been there For ten years
1: Some days it feels like I've been there 20 Some days it feels like It was last week I opened You know so Yeah <laughs> Just yeah, it I, You know
0: So far You know The food's been consistent You you didn't mess around With the stuff That sold well You kept it in there Yep And you haven't changed it No Which we, I'm happy about yeah. Actually the one thing With Bellavita too I, I have to give him credit You know The formula in Bellavita You know you, you can't have a chef there that want to change everything, right? Because Bellavita's, I think, it's been very, very consistent throughout.
1: Twenty-one years, yeah. They I
0: mean the food has been consistent, the martinis been consistent. Yeah. <laughs> has that. But I think you know what to expect. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't really remember ever having a bad meal there. You know. So that consistency is really, I think, critical in the success of a restaurant.
1: Yeah, one of those. You know, one of the things if it's not broken, don't fix it. And you know is. Much as you know, we stay fresh and we stay uh, relevant, I should say. But you know, the things like the rigatoni, the octopus, our spaghetti—I mean, people love our spaghetti. It's just a yeah. classic, classic preparation, and it's just done well. It's simple—you know, three, four ingredients that are just the best ingredients we can find. We import San Marzano tomatoes from Italy. You know, that's what we make the sauce out of. We make our, we extrude our pastas every morning. You know, so yeah. I mean, that those are the things that make it a great dish.
0: Speaking of pasta. I think are we moving we're, into we're, Course 2? I think we, we need to go to Course <laughs> 2 because, as you know. You're drooling a little bit looking kinda, at Course 2. So. <laughs> actually, you know, I am better take some of this to, home to my wife too because yeah. this is definitely her favorite dish in the Osteria menu lineup.
1: So getting back to the not changing things, yeah. the first year we were open and it, we were rolling into – so we opened in June. We are rolling into the fall, and I was like, you know, I'm, I don't want to have this – stigma where, oh, we have to have this dish. We have to have this dish. I want to make, keep changing things a little bit. So I put a kind of a penne with some roasted chicken, and we gratinated it with breadcrumbs and a four cheese sauce to replace the rigatoni. And you, most people don't even know I ever did this because it only lasts about three weeks. And I'm not kidding, George. It was like a scene from the Frankenstein movie <laughs> with the villagers chasing me down the street with pitchforks. Yeah.
0: Where's our rigatoni? We have to have it.
1: And I was like, all right, it's going back on. We're never touching that again. my I get... Threatening phone calls. I'm not doing. I mean, gonna deal with that. I mean, I
0: gotta be honest with you. That's the reason I go back. Oh, to I Osteria. know. And a lot because of people because it's do. comfort food. It is. It is. I and mean, it's it's fresh pasta, and you know, and it's four different types of pork. Come on, and, and then the, <laughs> the regular. So the, hey, let's bring this. gravy right, out this over. Let's here. See here, because I'm ready for this one. This is definitely.
1: So, yeah, this is our rigatoni bolognese, and it's more of a classic style bolognese um, that you'd get in Italy. So it's not just ground beef and tomato sauce. So
0: what do you, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, what we do is we, we make our own Italian sausage in-house. We also braise pork mm-hmm. shoulder. So we brine pork shoulder overnight with some fennel, some coriander, black peppercorns, bay leaves, um, salt, obviously. And then we roast it off in the morning. We roast with a little bit of San Marzano tomatoes, braise it down. We pull all that meat. We take uh, carrots, onions, uh, garlic, obviously, make a mirepoix out of that, and then cook the sauce down. And then we add the Italian sausage, we add bacon, and we add the braised pork. And then we add San Marzano tomatoes. And then to order, we add a little bit of cream, uh, the English peas, and then top it with, and then pine nuts. And everybody loves the pine nuts. It's like I'm, such a- I'm, I'm hungry again. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I just had a bite. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for i I'll second. keep talking. I, I can talk yeah, about this out there. keep talking. Fine, so.
0: You know, maybe, Gene, you better try this. Gene, our oh. producer. Glass. Glass. My glass? Oh. There you go, George. Oh, George's glass. Day. Oh. <laughs> see, as you know, the spontaneous is also film. Yeah. So we have it here. <laughs> you so got to so see the dish. There see you got to see the dish right here. So your pasta, you make it every day. We do. This is all your pasta?
1: Yeah, every every single thing we have, a, we actually have an extruder that we imported from Italy, and it's a brass die extruder. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but to my knowledge, we're the only ones that have one in the Midwest besides outside of Chicago. Uh, most people buy a stainless steel die extruder, and they're a little bit less expensive. But the difference is that stainless steel is a hard metal, and so when it cuts the pasta. It cuts it very, very clean. Brass is a very sm- soft pot, uh, metal. So when it extrudes the pasta, it leaves these little micro cuts in it. Oh. And that's what grabs the sauce. That's what gives you that texture. That's, uh, so it ex- it releases starch. The pasta does into the sauce to thicken the sauce, and it absorbs the sauce into the noodles to flavor the noodles. So when people say they make fresh pasta every day, the, the trick, though, is that we actually make it uh, one day for the next day. It's better if it does dry for overnight. and oh, cool. okay. So we have a specific cooler, just a reaching cooler, that's only pastas. It's our angelotti, our spaghetti, our linguini, our fusili's, our rigatoni, and all of that. And they just sit on trays down there. So it's actually better if it does dry out overnight a little bit. It gives it a little bit of more of a firm bite to it.
0: Okay. So, you know, all of us at one point probably make our version of a tomato sauce, an Italian tomato sauce. So... Why don't you walk us through, really, the steps to making a good tomato sauce?
1: Buy great tomatoes. You can actually okay. get San Marzano tomatoes. You can get them at Russo's. I think even oh. Myers has um, the Cento yeah. brand of San Marzano. They're certified San Marzano. Yeah, you got to make consistent. sure it's certified because exactly. there's a lot of kind of fake, there is. Yep.
0: fake uh, San Marzano, right? And the so what, what is it? What's the difference?
1: Because San, uh, San Marzano's are grown at the base of Mount Vesuvius in Calabria, and what that is is that the pH and the soil just change it. it. Gives it a sweetness. The San Marzano tomatoes themselves are a plum tomato, but they're a very thin-skinned plum tomato, mm. so you get a real sweetness out of it. We don't add. We never add sugar to anything. Number one, I, I, that was one of my the weird things when I moved to West Michigan. The yeah. pizza sauce here. What is with all the sugar in the pizza sauce up here? It's
0: like <laughs> the Italian MSG. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Italian American MSG. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> add a little. I oh. mean, okay, so. I mean, why is, isn't that normal in uh, Italy? No,
1: no, I don't think anybody adds sugar to their tomato sauces. I think uh, that you get yeah. a you get a ripe tomato. I don't, you don't know what kind of Italians enough. I've been
0: hanging out with, but we <laughs> got a little pouch, like you know, like Wolfgang's that, got uh, a little pouch, right? Little pou-
1: yeah, there you go. So our our tomato sauce is so simple. We crush San Marzano tomatoes. So
0: you cr- you get a get, take it out get, of the can.
1: Get, take it out of the can. Crush it through a perforated pan. We add chopped garlic, so a little bit of chopped onion. Oregano, and a teaspoon to a tablespoon of chili pepper flake. That's all that's in our um, sauce. So
0: do you saute the garlic and the onion nope. first? Or you mm-hmm. mix it's it all, all in there?
1: It's all raw because then it gets cooked to order when we make our spaghetti. Uh, when we make our spaghetti sauce, we add a little bit of red wine to the pan, the tomato sauce, and the spaghetti. And then we tap it with crispy garlic. So we actually take slices of garlic, soak those in milk overnight, and then the next day oh. fry them in olive oil. And it gets them crispy, and it takes the bitterness away to them, and you get a real nice, sweet, gar- crispy garlic.
0: Is that what it the milk does to it? Yeah. It oh, takes I've never a, it, tried that. It
1: extracts that. That, um, the, the bitterness out of that garlic. Oh,
0: because I always do it Asian style, just throw it in a hot wok yeah. and, and <laughs> just fry it and take it out.
1: And, that, I mean, that's fine if you're going to cook it like that too, but we that, We feel that if a, if you slice garlic and you try to do it to order in a busy restaurant, you're going to get inconsistencies. They're going to burn some, they're not. But if you're doing it in a controlled environment, prepping during the day you get a nice consistent product every time
0: so really so you you put the garlic the onions the oregano all in in the sauce in the sauce then you just heat it
1: and then we just heat it to order yep wow Yep. that's that's that's, it gets you that freshness it's that's simple it is it's so simple and i mean we don't cook it down Uh, i actually think you cook a lot of the flavors Out of the tomatoes When you're cooking it down
0: yeah. When you make it Because you know People brag about Oh this sauce Been cooking for yeah, 10 hours I know right <laughs> But you know I, I've tried it both ways And yeah. I can't tell the difference no. <laughs> I, I can make something For 45 minutes And it tastes yeah. good
1: Right Yeah I don't I don't really believe in that I think you want to taste That freshness of the tomato It's it's pomodoro sauce You know So yeah. that's, what we're, that's what we're Looking for Is that real freshness Of the tomatoes
0: So Pasta Pasta okay, So At least the way I do it You know I put the pasta in these sauce pan after i drain it mm-hmm. straight so mm-hmm. is there are there tricks to cooking pasta um is that the right way or yeah no i mean there's you, do people rinse their pasta no you don't rinse the pasta oh, you never rinse sure, the pasta right.
1: no never never chill the pasta you really want to use it hot you straight out, the out same, of the- same thing as cooking risotto uh, i would never pre-cook my risotto and then warm it to order that's if you come to our restaurant if we're offering it like i don't do it on weekends because we don't have enough of space to do it because it takes 30 minutes. When you pre-cook risotto and you cool it and then you try to warm it to order, all those starches, the whole key to great risotto is as that rice is just releasing the starches and you keep getting creamier and creamier and creamier. You don't ever add cream to it. You're just adding Mm -hmm. the broth to it. It gives you a creamy, cheesy consistency. You stop that process. That's why you never add cold liquid while making risotto because you keep seizing up the starches and you're getting a gummy risotto rather than a nice chew in the rice with a nice cream sauce going on. Same thing with pasta. We have two different recipes really for our dough. Um, The extruded pasta is simply double zero flour, some semolina, water, olive oil, and salt, no egg. And that's what we use for all of our different variations depending on which dye we're going to use. And then for our, our rolled pasta, which is like our pappardelle, our fettuccine, our um, Angolotti stuffed pastas, we that's an egg-based pasta. So we use egg yolks, semolina, double uh, zero flour, uh, salt, and a little olive oil and water in that. But Does, th- does that water that. make a difference? Um, it does, and it does because it, that's where you're getting that gluten. That's kind of where it gives you that. Flour and water is what develops the gluten. That gives you kind of the stretch and the bite in the mm-hmm. pasta. So it does make a difference.
0: Do you make gluten-free pasta? We do.
1: Um, there's so many great gluten-free... <laughs> eat, my cooks will kill me because it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of a pain, and I'm not going to lie. But no, I'm really <laughs> but, hey, Everyone <laughs> in the back of the house, like,
0: yeah. if, if I see that GF again, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, stay home, right?
1: There's some really great um, gluten-free po- flours out there now um, that are, you know, one-to-one ratio. So they basically whatever you would use for regular flour, you can use the gluten-free flour for. So we make it. Um, that is more of a – we use an egg based in that. Uh, a little bit of water and then the gluten-free uh, flour, and then we just roll it out to like a pappardelle, and we keep it. We usually keep five orders around. It lasts about two days, and then it gets so dry and brittle; it's really not useful anymore. But uh, so we do offer that. And we actually have a separate pot of water on the stove because obviously you can't. Yeah, drop, I see that. Yeah, yep. the big pot there. You can't drop the gluten-free you, pasta into the gluten thing. You change out water at all? Yeah. So there's one pot. Well, the big well, the big pot that we cook our normal pasta in has four different compartments, and yeah. we have another pot on the side that we just keep fill, that keep at a boil, and we keep filling that one to keep refilling okay. it. We don't want to change the water during the course of the night because, actually, when we make cacio pepe, that's what you want is that starchy mm, water yeah. to make the sauce out of. So we don't change that during We just keep refilling it because, obviously. And I'll tell you, there's been nights where we've done 130, 140 pastas. By the end of the night, that's almost pata shoe. <laughs> there's so much flour in that yeah. water. It's, like, pretty thick in there. <laughs> hey, why not? Yeah, yeah, right? You know, so um, – yeah, we we do gluten free pizza, gluten free pasta.
0: So the water and the pasta.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: How much salt do you? Okay, I think people sometimes forget that you need to put salt. You in have there. to put
1: salt in there. So yes. how much salt? I do. We do. Let's say I think that's one. I think that's like a three gallon um, pot that we have, or two gallon pot in there. We put about a half a cup of salt in there. Just okay. enough to give a little. It should bit of flavor. taste
0: like the ocean, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that well, definitely when we're blanching vegetables, that should taste like the ocean because okay. you really want to flavor those vegetables a lot. And a little bit less than that with the pasta because the pasta itself does have salt, and we're going to add a little bit of salt to finish the dish too.
0: So, for the home cooks, you know, to make your pasta al dente, how how do you know if it's al dente? Well. You throw it against no. the wall. <laughs>
1: you know, See if it sticks. <laughs> My aunt told me that one time. She goes, That's when pasta's done. You throw it against the wall if it sticks. That's actually pretty overcooked. I'm gonna say. Um, it's it's just gonna vary. It varies on what you know. If you're drying by if you buy dried pasta, it's gonna vary. Everyone's different. You know, the Caco's different than La Barilla. and so you really just got to pull a piece of pot, a noodle out and take Taste a bite it. out of it. And you want it to be. Slightly underdone at that point because you're going to add it to the sauce, sauce yeah. and let it carry over, um, it, so that way it can release some of the starch into the sauce and the, and it can absorb some of the sauce. But uh, there's no set time or anything like that. And then pretty much in anything in cooking, there's yeah. just so many you got variables. And, yeah, you know, and make
0: sure you got enough water, right?
1: Yes, and you should definitely. It, you should never lose the boil, so you got to make sure. You know, if you're going to do one pound of pasta, you need two gallons of water. And it's got to be at a really good boil. Put a lid on it, salt it, you know, put a half a cup of salt in there, bring it to a rapid boil, and then drop your pasta in there. And I know I, my mother, you know, God rest her soul, but uh, she used to have, we had it sticking out of the top of the pot, slowly feeding it in. And, yeah. and, and uh, people would say, oh, my God, did you did your son learn to cook from you? She goes, no, I think he learned to cook in spite of me. So
0: that's. <laughs> so the, you, you talked about al dente, you talked about the water talked about the pasta, right?
1: Cheese. Cheese. Okay. love cheese.
0: Yeah, I love I cheese, too. Yeah. So any particular cheese that you should be part of your staple at home?
1: Well, and you need to buy, you know, don't buy the green can craft grated Parmesan cheese. It's, it's really, great when you have kids around, <laughs> uh, Yes, it is. All right, I'll give you that one. I will give you that. <laughs> but uh, go and buy a wedge of Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah. And you know what? You need so little of it. Cause it's so sharp. It's so potent. It, it, you'd be surprised. You know, people look at the price and go, Oh my God, it's $8 for this piece of cheese. That's going to last you, you know, four months. <laughs> and I just, you don't need that much of it on there. And there's a huge difference between Parmigiano, Pecorino, you know, for grating, And I don't think people realize that, um, you know, the home cooks don't realize there's a huge difference that Pecorino has such a creamy saltiness to it. That, um, it's so different than what Parmesan where Parmesan has more of a nutty, earthy tones yeah. to it. Um, I have kind of fallen into, like, with tomato sauces, I seem to use Parmesan a lot. But if we're using mushrooms and things like that, I love the pecorino. Okay. I love the bite of the pecorino on it um, for more cream sauce or mushroom-style sauces. And then, I mean, we use true Uh We use some Michigan. Uh, Michigan's not really making a lot of the Italian-style cheeses. I mean, they have a lot of cheddars and things like that, and they do good cheeses. Um, we do buy a local goat cheese from Evergreen Lane and she makes okay. a tremendous fresh goat cheese And she also brings us our curd for our mozzarella. Cause we hand-pull our mozzarella every morning as well um, And that's a huge difference so um, You just you spend the extra money and buy good cheese. I mean it makes all the difference in the world in cooking
0: How about dried pasta is there? A, something There's, I can get a Meyer or D&W. Is there a brand that you um, would recommend?
1: I actually like De Cecco probably the best out of all of them. Out of the dried pastas, it's I can't remember the last time I bought a dried pasta yeah. to tell you the truth. But uh, uh, I think De Cecco probably is my favorite out of all of them. Uh, pasta Bria is good. Mm-hmm. I don't like their commercials where they say it's always al dente. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's not. I guarantee you, I can make that not al dente. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Italian food in West Michigan. Let's talk about that. You know, obviously we have some. Good Italian restaurants here, and, and good Italian-American restaurants. I don't want to, you know, I think there's something to be said about Italian-American Absolutely. cuisine versus, you know, more authentic Italian cuisine. Right.
1: Mm, I agree. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not a fan of Olive Garden. I'm not a fan of pick your pasta, pick your sauce. That Pastas are meant to go with certain sauces. I mean, okay. you know this. I, I mean, there's, you know, I don't like people coming and get angel hair with bolognese sauce. That's just silly. It's just going to be a wad of goop on the bottom of your plate underneath some meat sauce. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Um, You know, I love Jenna. I love Amore. She does a great job. Yeah. You know, and she's a little bit more Americanized, if you will, than what I think I am. Sure. Um, But, you know, she's had, she's about as fun as you can get as oh, a right. person in the world anyway. Yeah. <laughs> us two in a room I think together she, I think is pretty... I think she's uh, got, a, she
0: got a little personality. Yeah. The two of
1: us in a room together a is usually confidence. quite exciting, so... <laughs> But, um, no, I think it, Italian food has come a long way, you know, I mean, as much as we kind of touched on it at Bistro when I was there, um, you know, like I said, what Jenna's doing up at Amore, um, I haven't really been to Paleo, I don't know really what they're doing and such, but, um, there's a space for everything. I mean, you know, there is, I, I, like I said, we keep it very simple ingredients we always say we're the warmth we have the warmth of the mitten and the soul of the boot sure. so we take michigan ingredients and we cook them in an italian style i like to think we do what an italian family would do if they moved to west michigan we find somebody who raises our pigs uh, i spend as much time at farms as i do in the restaurant i mean they grow uh our lettuce you know, i have a great friend who grows all my lettuce and my herbs i have a great friend who raises pigs Chris you know, crisp country acres grows all of our our work vegetables like our carrots, oh, our onions, yeah. and you know the non sexy vegetables. If and you will. these are all West Michigan farms. They're all West Michigan. And yeah, ones in Holland, ones in Caledonia. Uh, SNS Farms up in Cadillac sure. does our lamb and uh, some of our beef and pork for us. You know, so we've and I just uh, Pebble Creek Farms that we just started dealing with um, is it came by yesterday, it dropped off the box, and I posted it on Instagram yesterday about these just the most amazing mushrooms I've ever seen. Retired guy, just having fun growing mushrooms, and they're just they're outstanding. So, I thank Jeremy for that one. He oh. out, So,
0: <laughs> what's missing in, in Italian cuisine in West Michigan? If there's something you'd love to see,
1: well, I think, um, I mean, I think it would be interesting if we could do a uh, more of a high end. I mean, but obviously, you know, we had um, escaping me, Tracogini. Genie. And I don't know if Michigan was ready. West Michigan was ready for that, you know. And you say, "Oh, I can get a pasta for fifteen dollars over here. Why am I paying twenty six dollars for a pasta?" Sure. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's just it's really simple. It would be. I mean, there might be some a space for more of a even a more casual than osteria, a yeah. real street food style. Yeah, I feel and
0: like I want to see it's like like an old house, a little neighborhood, you know, forty yeah. seat restaurant. You know, more of that. You right. Know? I think like. You know, uh, Sasha Paredes. Yes. I'm excited to see his new menu and what he's doing there. I know they're changing the, the mm-hmm. concept uh, the down in Holland there, so I'm excited to see. Probably I should have him here to see what he's doing.
1: I think that, yeah, I Paredes is awesome. And I really think it would be interesting to see somebody open a style more of a um, Calabrian, southern Italian, with oh, a lot of seafood. Yeah. It's a real, real seafood. and um I think we probably could be close to that. Uh, We are offering more and more seafood all the time. Just, it's so much more available now in West Michigan, and that was our big struggle for years. Now that Fortune comes up here five days a week, six days a week, we can actually get really high quality seafood here now, um, really every day.
0: Well, perfect segment for our third course. There you go, wow. Talking about seafood. (laughs) You I know, so think I know what sh- I'm doing here. Chef, yeah, let's see. Yeah. So
1: this is one of our new dishes. This so is our version. That in here. This is okay. our version of a surf and turf. Ah. So these are U10 scallops and for those of you at home, the U10 the way we rate shellfish and shrimp, scallops and such is how many are there in a pound. So, so fewer, the lower the number is the better, better. Yes. The bigger, right. Right. So that means that these are U10. So the biggest I've ever seen are U3s. So those are like almost, they're about six, seven ounces a <laughs> That's piece. Like a, That's like yeah. a filet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a baseball. Yes. So these are U10, um, okay. which means they're about an ounce a piece. That basically, be, a little more than an ounce, about an ounce and a half a piece. We sear them off. Okay. Um, and then we add some pork belly. So we take-
0: What is it about pork belly? And I love scallops. pork
1: belly. Well, it's just uh, the fattiness of the pork belly works yeah. really, really well. And what we did is- I did some research, and um, Epicus was a Roman writer. So he's credited with writing the first Italian cookbook ever. However, many years ago, fifteen hundred years ago, or something like that. But he has a he had a spice blend, and you know, at the time of the Perky um, Spice. No, it's not the Perky <laughs> Spice. I know you love the Perky Spice too, but uh, at the time, it was really big with the um, Far East trade, the spice trade, the trade yep. routes. So when I read his ingredients in his spice mix, I was like, "Oh, this is cool because these are not normal Italian." You know, obviously you think of fennel, coriander, chili pepper flake, those types of things. This had a little ginger. It has rosemary. It has cumin in it, and so it's Mm. like very different than normal. So we take the pork belly and we cure it with that with a with a Roman spice mix. Oh, and then we roast it in the wood burning oven.
0: I love your oven. Oh my god,
1: it's right there at the bar. You walk in, you see the oven right there. In December, everybody's favorite seeds right there. Yeah, in July, nobody nobody wants to sit there in July. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> just a 900-degree I mean, oven. I, so. I timed
0: your chef one time. So I guess. Okay, Mike asked me like um, a minute 45 yeah. to cook the pizza. Yeah. He was 55 seconds.
1: 55 seconds. Yeah, 900 like, degrees. So, yeah, that, like, that wow. thing, that thing rolls. Was, yeah, it was awesome. So, uh, yeah, so we do seared scallops. And now these are just little. So we got some broccoli from Chris Country Acres. We make mm. a little pepperonata. Charred, charred broccoli, we roast that in the wood-fired oven as well. Um, and then add some crispy garlic and saute all that together. And there's some braised greens in there. And then we finish it with our version of an Agro dolce. So it's okay. like an Italian sweet and sour. Okay. With balsamic vinegar, a uh, little bit of maple syrup. So all Michigan ingredients.
0: So let's talk about your menu at... Osteria. Has it, has it changed a lot since uh, you opened five years ago? Oh, you got a new menu there.
1: Uh, new menu. So, yeah, I'm waving it around I, here. I'm um, used to this yes, paper
0: menu yeah. <laughs> that I've seen forever. Oh, you got a new menu here? So my
1: dad built these. So oh, really? Everything that's wood in the restaurant, my dad built. So he tried to retire, and I was having none of that. Okay. So I put him to work. So all the shelving, all that stuff. I wanted the restaurant. I didn't want a bunch of stainless steel everywhere. I wanted the restaurant to cold. look like somebody's yeah. house. So we built all of our prep tables. Everything's made out of wood oh. and um, our cutting boards and such, you know. So it just, it's, it, it feels like somebody's house. You know, you see my cookbooks from where I stand at the yeah, yeah. There. All my cookbooks are behind. there. all Italian cookbooks. And all, the, all of our garnishes are out there. Our spices are up on the wall. So it looks like grandma's kit- kitchen. So he built me these menu holders and uh, a little Osteria logo there, a little apple tree on there. And... The reason we changed or moved away from the big paper menus that we opened with and we've had for the five years, we really wanted to expand on some things. Um we the wine list was on the backside and we really needed to uh enhance like our bottle selection especially. Um we when we opened I
0: give you that because uh, that's one of my biggest beef. I know. I right? know I need to it be is. I need to Uber home for <laughs> Mosteria. If I don't Uber home then there's a problem with the wine list. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I think we just – when we opened, we didn't have any bottle list at all. It was all – everything was done by the glass in the true Osteria style, if you will. Um, So we wanted to enhance that by uh, expanding our wine list. And, you know, when people are asking you for something over and over again, you know, I guess you only can get hit in the head so many times before you go, hey, this is probably a good idea. People want to spend $120 on a Barolo. Why wouldn't I offer it to them? So – we we were very limited as to what we could do with our old menu structure so we've changed it we've got menu holders we have uh we're opening up our wine list a little bit more we keep expanding our bottle list is it
0: only going to be italian it's always
1: going to be italian in michigan that's all we've ever done uh when i opened people told me it was crazy that i had to have california cabs i said you know i could change my list every week and never touch all the italian wines that there are out there we do the same thing with our beer program Uh, and it's kind of funny because The beer program, very heavy Michigan, very light Italian. Wine list, very heavy Italian, very light Michigan. But Michigan's getting better and better. You're getting more and more selections out of Michigan wines now. And they're doing some really good things.
0: So, what are the, uh, for somebody who's never been to Osteria Rosa, what what would you recommend uh, for them to try? And give us the price point so people know what to expect.
1: The entrees are between 20 and 25 bucks. Uh, Occasionally we have a ribeye that's 29. We don't go over 30. the pastas uh, we can get, we all have the half sizes. I, I love awesome. them.
0: That. that is like great.
1: right. so your pastas are you know 14 for the half sizes, 14, 15, and then nineteen to 22 for the full size. Um, what we really like is if you're sitting at a table of four and you just order a lot of stuff and share it. I love the family style cooking. I, I think it gives you the opportunity to taste a lot of stuff. It's how Italians would eat. I mean they, sure. they, they want to taste a lot of different things. you know, get a couple of appetizers. Split a pasta between the table, maybe split a pizza, and then get a couple entrees, and you leave very, very happy. What
0: appetizer would you recommend? The octopus. Huh?
1: (laughs) Octopus. (laughs) Okay. But the meatballs are great too. You've had the meatballs. Yeah, I do like the meatballs. Meatballs are really light, really fluffy. They're gluten free. Oh. Yeah. Yep. We keep them gluten free. It's a mixture of pork and beef. Um, And then we just put those in tomato sauce with a little bit of plant on the plate.
0: Happy hour. Happy uh, hour, my favorite time a of the day. I oh, a yeah. Happy hour menu. This is really, I, I actually, ever since I tried it a couple of weeks ago, I've been promoting the heck out of you it have. because it's just amazing. The, I didn't know pricing. you ate that
1: early ever. That's the thing, you know. That's well, <laughs> I,
0: I eat all day, <laughs> <laughs> but but with this, with this kind of prices, though, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna eat, yeah, you know, like for six, seven bucks. So tell us about the happy hour Osteria. So
1: four to six, Monday through Friday. Um, we originally started off with everything was five bucks. You know, like we offered all the sure. pizzas and Negronis for five bucks. I said, you know, maybe people don't want pizza. Let's expand it a little, little bit. So now we're offering, we're going to have oysters every day for $2.
0: Oh, wow.
1: $2 oysters, all, uh, four to six. And we're going to do that on Sundays too. So you can have $2 oysters on Sundays. We're open four to nine on Sundays. So all night okay. long you can come in and get oysters. Um, we got a few snacks some Marcona almonds, some potato chips, marinated olives. You can get those for three bucks. All of our Negronis, and we have a very nice little Negroni. We have five different Negronis. Um, all of them are $5 during happy hour.
0: Done. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I so I can wife, get three, three Negronis happy. for, yeah, for bucks. the price of one. Exactly. Uh, we always have a red and a white option um, for $5 uh, wine.
0: What makes a red and a white Negroni? No,
1: no. I mean red and white wine. Oh, Sorry. yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> but we do have well, yeah, yeah. we do we'll have red and white. Negroni, we do yeah. have a white Negroni as well. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's the ginger beer one with a uh, dry vermouth instead of uh, instead of uh, Campari. We we'll offer a few uh, beer specials for six bucks, the big uh, sixteen ounce ones, and a, and a cider. And then we have um, all of our pizzas are either five or six dollars as opposed to twelve. So um, yeah, and then the octopus is seven bucks. Wow. So you're saving some money there, but yeah, we've we've really expanded the menu at happy hour, and it, we've seen a uh, really nice response to it. Um, people are definitely coming in, and we're yeah. seeing it. And you know, that's at that four to six period. And I think happy hour is replacing lunch, the business lunch where guys like you know kind yeah. of work through lunch you're and have a drink, right? Yeah, you leave you leave the office it. at four and go. I'll be gone for the rest. of that. I got a meeting I'm going to go to, and you Osteria, offsite, yeah, pop into Osteria, yeah, have a couple of Negronis, sure. settle finalize a business deal and uh, get home so early and have dinner. And wife's happy, right? <laughs> exactly. It works out perfect for everybody.
0: Yeah. And then uh next week, restaurant I believe week. is restaurant week. Yeah. GR La-
1: restaurant week. Downtown restaurants always they we always love August 7th. <laughs> Cuz <'Cause laughs> July is such a slow month downtown. It's always one of our slower months. It's just it's getting better compared to our bistro days when nobody was downtown. At least people live downtown now, mm-hmm. so you can it's a little bit better, but still. And why uh, why would you blame them? I mean, if you're in Michigan, one of the reasons to live in Michigan is spending all your time at a lake somewhere. Sure. You know, I joke about it. say the one great thing about Michigan is here I can drive an hour north, and I'm in the middle of nowhere on a lake on our boat having fun skiing and all that kind of stuff. In Chicago, when I drove an hour north, I was at Wrigley Field. So, yeah. <laughs> it's I yeah. still another six hours to get yeah, somewhere. Exactly. So, <laughs> but um, –
0: what are you offering for Restaurant Week?
1: Um, well, let's see. I got a menu here for oh. that, so
0: this. Um, That's a big menu for Restaurant well, Week. Well,
1: so what we did, and okay. we, we experimented with this last year. So you get two courses for $25.
0: Ah, uh, okay. But,
1: so we offer certain selections of appetizers and salads, for, and then your second course is an entree, and we have a list of certain entrees, some of the pastas and a chicken, a trout, and such. But then we also uh, offer um, enhancements. So for an extra $2, you can get the octopus, you can get a burrata. You can get a nudie. Mm, okay. And for certain different add-on prices, you can get the duck. You can get a ribeye. So, I mean, the ribeye is yeah. only an extra $8. So, for, really, for $32, you can get an appetizer and a ribeye. Uh, this is USDA Prime, dry aged yeah. in our basement, I mean, for 30 days. So, is there, it's still a great deal.
0: So, you have two but, courses for $25, yep, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: And then and then for 5 bucks, you can get a dessert. And for $10, bucks, i will even get you a couple glasses of wine that I'll pair with the courses you choose. So,
0: Okay, so it's. I, I mean, know. it.
1: It. We had great success with it last year, and I think people like the options and Restaurant Week's designed to promote your restaurant. And you know, I think and,
0: and for people to come, you know, visit these restaurants. Right. I think
1: some people try to, you know, cheapen their restaurant a little bit yeah. so they can make money. And you, why I want showcase? This is the best marketing you can get. I mean, you know, it's we're not even actually paying for the marketing. <laughs> You're just getting people in to see what you do. So I don't like to change what we do. I want people to really see Experience what we do. That. Experience Osteria, how it's supposed to be.
0: Well, I'll definitely uh, have to make it. Can you pay for my Uber home? Yes. Yeah, so if I drink more Uber than Uber. one bottle yeah. of wine? <laughs> yes, I
1: will pay for your Uber home.
0: <laughs> Chef, you just recently won an award.
1: We did. Yeah, I'm very, cool. very proud of this.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us about it.
1: So uh, there's, a rest, there's a magazine out of New York. That's called National Elite, and they rank the top 10 restaurants in every state. And when I was first notified about this, I was kind of like, huh, who else is on this list? Is this a cheesy thing? You know, you, you, yeah. you got to question it sometimes, but it's not. It's uh, it's truly legit. So, yes, we, uh, along with Tara, we're That's ranked fantastic. top 10, in, and we're the only two in Grand Rapids. That's great. Uh, everything else is in Detroit, all the other restaurants. Um, but, yeah, we're one of the top 10 restaurants in Michigan, and... You know, you look at the list out of Illinois. It's Alinea. It's our um, our RPM. I mean, sure. it's it's the legit restaurants Purpl- down there. The Purple Pig. Purple Pig, Pig, Pig is in there. Yeah. You know, and we love Purple Pig. You know, they um, have a new spot, right? It's yeah, they opened a bigger. Yeah, cause yeah, last time I ate there, you could barely move in that place. Yeah, I it was mean, tiny. Fun. It so, was Banos' birthday yesterday. So. Oh, <laughs>
0: is it in the same location?
1: No, it's oh. uh, they, it's right down the street. It's okay. yeah, like a block away or something oh, like okay. that. But they, I haven't been to the new location, but I've read some stuff that it's really nice and people are digging it and i'm sure that kitchen was so tiny in that place i'm sure oh, the cooks are is, loving it lockers. there was no wasted motion you know? no there was, was not a, it and was like i think once you got to your station you were pretty much there for the and night you're doing like <laughs> six
0: seven hundred covers oh, in yeah. one day. unbelievable
1: you know? how busy that place is
0: so when you found out about the award did you you know pop some prosecco we and did party we party yes. down at, at, we did. with your uh, staff
1: we, yeah I, i'm very proud of our staff you know bill yeah, he's been with me since day one. He's yeah. my chef de cuisine over there. Just does an amazing job. Um, you know, I guess I'm usually the face of Austria, but Bill's the, the guy. He's the nuts and the bolts of the place, man. He keeps the place going. Well,
0: you're always there when I'm there. I know, but, you know, it's had a smooth. Except for your yeah. birthday week. Uh, you were gone.
1: I was up on a boat, yeah. I, yeah, belated happy birthday, by Thank the you way. very much for that. I appreciate that. 49 but. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave up on 29 a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, stick with 49. I like that. That's good. But yeah, we're very very happy about the reward. I'm very happy for Tara, um, and I think there was none on this list last year. None yeah. from oh, Grand Rapids. Oh, that's fantastic. I think it shows a lot of how far West Michigan has come dining wise. You know, just our food scene is killing it right now. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so many talented chefs out there. Um, and we get along, which is really fun.
0: Yeah, that's what's amazing. You know, that's what you changed just,
1: from when I first moved here. All the restaurants out there are in competition with each, with each other, and now it's like, man, Jeremy and I are great friends. I mean, you know, I call him about something, I'm like, you know, I need stinging nettles. Yeah. Like, I got two bags for you. Yeah, he's that a great never guy. Happened. He's an amazing guy. You know, Luke down, worked uh, for me at Osteria. Uh, oh, Luke worked for you? Oh, yeah, he, he, he helped us develop our pasta program when we opened. Uh, so, you know, he's at Reserve. He does an amazing job. Um, it just, you know, my old GM from Iron is at, uh, Terra now, and Clark is over at Terra. Oh, I mean, they're okay. just—they do a great job. You That's know, and it's just really, really fun. And obviously, you know, how do you not like Jenna? You know, I and mean, we did a great dinner together. You were at yes. that thing, so I mean, it's really—it's really fun because it's—we love to do collaboration dinners together, giving back to the community, supporting local charities. Um, you know, my buddy Chris Weimer—we're going to come up with something here soon. Okay, uh, over at Linear, he just opened that, and you know, I'll just—it's really. It's fun. It's getting more of a Chicago feel. We're actually a big city. We're almost yeah. a big boy city now, you know?
0: That's great. So, Chef, my last part of every show. Okay. You see this little round thing here. I'm going to grab it because last time I forgot about it.
1: Uh, I, I, knew, I knew you were getting yelled at me about that before. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, Gene just going to yelled at me. For forgetting. <laughs> but I have this spontaneous table wheel that actually our engineers at the Amway Grand made for me. So... You got two spins, and we'll talk about it. Hopefully, some of it, something, you know, your wife won't be disappointed. Oh,
1: boy. Nah. Spin one hard. Thing, one thing I excel at is disappointing my wife, so that's all right. So.
0: Let's see which category here. Oh, <laughs> easy. Oh, my God. Food of all things. Favorite food ever.
1: Pizza. What Chicago kind of pizza? Chicago deep dish pizza. Ah. Actually, all right. I take that. I love Chicago deep dish, but there's a place in Waukegan called Quonset. Anytime any of my friends from Waukegan come up to the restaurant, they bring me frozen Quonset pizzas. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that is so probably like my the- all-time favorite. It's a real thin. It's almost a New York style. Love their pizza. And that's a Waukegan staple. It's been there for I've never, never tried it. It's hey, bring me one of those I frozen bring, ones. I will bring you a frozen, frozen one. Next time I come in, I'll bring you a frozen one back. But yes, that is my, that's my, I cannot go to Waukegan Guilty without, without yeah. eating Quonset pizza.
0: One more spin, oh, Chef. One more
1: spin. Uh, food again? <laughs> <laughs> ah. Funny. Hmm. what does that mean?
0: Do you have any embarrassing <laughs> moments that you want to share with us? Oh,
1: my Lord. Or should I,
0: should I call your wife and yeah, ask her say, about I'd it? Probably, or you, or actually, your kids, your kids, so. your kids probably kids have a lot more. Probably
1: know so. um, embarrassing moments. I don't have one yet, but actually I'm doing a charity, a charity baseball game with the Tigers at Comerica Park oh, wow. on September 18th, and so uh, that'll probably be a very embarrassing moment. Yes, I can You're see You're actually going to play baseball? Yes, or? I've not played baseball since eighth grade.
0: Oh. Is so, it going to be like fast pitch? Or the, I don't uh, know.
1: I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I definitely <laughs> got to get in shape, and uh, you know, when I was 28... Just make it to
0: first, <laughs> will you? So don't pass out.
1: Is, funny thing is, when I was 28, I hit a dock water skiing, and I shattered my left leg. Oh. So I kind of have a little limp when I run, so I don't run real well anymore. So my son, who uh very proud of, but he set it, broke a 22-year-old record at Jenison High School for the 4 by 400 and is <laughs> lightning fast. Both my boys are very, very fast. He goes, Dad, you're going to play baseball? He goes, you could hit one to deep left. Not that you could, but if you did, they would still throw you out at first. <laughs> I'm
0: That's like, you true. are not a
1: nice kid. You know
0: that? It, it's gonna be quite <laughs> hilarious. Actually, I'd love to see that. It'll,
1: it'll, I'm sure you'll see lots I'll of posts back. about it. There'll be lots. There'll be a lot of posts there. Yes, uh, but I get a I get a Tigers jersey with my name on it, so uh, that's fantastic. I can't beat that.
0: That's fantastic.
1: But I don't know. There's been lots of embarrassing moments. I'm 52 years old, so I'm sure that there's a lot of them that uh, I've had happen to me over the years. And but uh, it's all it's been a great ride. It's been I a don't, good ride. I don't really regret a single thing. I mean, but I making love making ten life. bucks a night. Yeah, to making $10 a night to making $5 a night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there you have it. Here's a life of a chef. That's a life of a chef. Yeah.
1: I was texting Jeremy yesterday, and I said, congratulations on your promotion You know, yeah. and, and running Essence now. And I said, I want to be you when I grow up. And he goes, no, you're crazy. I want to be you when I grow up. I go, no, you're too young to be gray like me. He goes, oh, it's happening fast. I go, well, that's the life we chose. Your you know? hourly <laughs> wages went down, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Tell <laughs> chef. Yeah.
0: But no. Chef, it's been a pleasure. Uh, George, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much for bringing my favorite dishes here. Yes. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you know, Italian food's here. It's here to stay. It is. And we have some amazing restaurants here in Grand Rapids, but especially thank you to you and congratulations on your award. Thank you. And we look forward to having you back, you know, when you maybe when you have a new menu and your new wine list. There we go. I'll bring okay. you,
1: I'll bring you some bottles next time. All right. Uh, with this Thanks a And a lot, frozen George. pizza. And a frozen pizza. All right. Thank you, Thanks, Chef. Thanks, George. Good Wonderful. seeing you, man.
0: You have been listening to The Spontaneous Table with George Aquino, the program which allows you to listen in on lively discussions about food, travel, and lifestyle topics. Please join us again as we set you next to The Spontaneous Table.